0: Welcome to
1: the Brown County Hour.
2: Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown,
1: where the plum purple haze,
3: the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers,
4: inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers.
3: It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana
4: sit for a spell and hear the music
3: the tall tales
1: true stories
3: and current goings-on
4: brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter
2: and swim buck naked in summer it's my distinct pleasure to welcome you to episode 50 of the brown county hour this is dave seastrom
4: and Vera Grubbs, along with the rest of the crew. Episode 50 marks a milestone for us and we're very pleased to be here. The show will begin its sixth year in production this July and we have a special show in the works to celebrate this event. In the meantime, back to episode 50.
2: This month, we're featuring a few songs from the Rainwater Band, live at the Bluebird on December 26, 2015. And we'll also have a conversation with Kenan Rainwater.
4: We have an interview with Amanda Webb and Ann Hawke, and they'll discuss their Arts in the Park event called Musica Terra. Dave Seastrom brings us another essay, and Rick Fettig shares another poem.
2: Vera Grubbs brings us an interview with stone sculptor Sidney Bolum, and Rick Fettig has a conversation with John Whitcomb as they discuss the life of former Governor Edgar Whitcomb. We begin the show with our
3: interview with Keenan Rainwater, followed by an essay from Dave Seastrom. And now, The Keenan Rainwater Band recorded live
2: at the Bluebird on December 26, 2015, performing Waltz a While.
3: Rick Fettig. I'm here with Dave Seastrom at the Brown County Hour, and we've got a special guest with us, Keenan Rainwater. Welcome, Keenan. Thank you, Rick. You've been here a number of times, and we always appreciate your contributions. And you're still with the Indiana boys, but you've been through several transitions, and you're not afraid to experiment a little bit.
5: It's been experimental, I guess, one way to put it. I'm still working with the Indiana boys and still really enjoy uh, Playing the music that we play and the format that we play it in, like a string band, and uh, playing Joe Bollinger's music always thrills me, oh. uh, which I still do in this uh, this new incarnation, this new band, the Rainwater Band, which uh, incorporates drums and electric guitars and uh, my favorite doo-wop girl, Laura Warner, uh, with some backing vocals and percussion. But uh, So another departure then. A little bit of a departure you know just testing the waters it's like uh, going on vacation to different places and uh, it's like for me music is home and I can go off and try different localities different styles of music in different places with different people uh, but it's all kind of like home a lot of times we're playing my music, so in this band we're playing a lot of, more of my music. Right, been like a, it's been a lot of a long learning curve for me because I just love to sing the songs and I play the guitar to go along with singing the songs, and I've had to learn more about the guitar than I ever uh, you know intended to. Last time I was in the studio, Rev Peyton was telling me that nobody can do two things at the same time as well as they can do one thing at right. one time, and if you really want to concentrate on singing a song, you know it's hard to believe that. Focusing half your attention on playing the guitar isn't going to detract from singing right. the song and really I just love to sing the song
3: Well, that's what you did
5: at the Playhouse. You just right. sang strictly That was why one of the reasons why that was so exciting for me was having Mel Chance's big band the notables mm-hmm. behind me uh, Playing the music. I could just go out there and do my part right. not have to be uh, involved in carrying the whole wave of the song And uh, taking it from the beginning to the end. I ran
2: into Mel Chance a few days after that event, and he was still so happy.
5: Good. He had (laughs) such a great time. He so earned that Lifetime Achievement
6: Award. Lifetime Achievement
2: Award for him. Um, He's been into the studio before. Uh, What a character, though. He is. He had such a great time doing that. So, uh, from my information, uh, we are going to have the opportunity to hear your Rainwater Band at the uh playhouse on may the 7th is that correct
5: that is correct do you know the time of that event or the doors will open at 7 and the show will start at 7 30 okay uh, running to approximately 10 o'clock
2: yeah
5: uh so we'll start out with uh you know as i see in my mind some solo i'll come out and play a little bit and then bring my friend sarah kenny out sarah b kenny of biscuits and gravy okay it's uh I've often said that if there's just one other instrument that you could have accompany you, uh, it should probably be a fiddle. And Sarah B. plays uh, an incredible fiddle and writes her own songs and plays songs with me. And just, uh, I love her energy and her personality and her singing voice and her fiddle. Mm -hmm. So it's like...
2: uh, Well, who else is in this band?
5: Well, uh, so Sarah B. joins us on occasion as a guest fiddler. Right? But like uh, that night, she'll play with me as a duo And then she'll drop back and and play some with the full band. The typical Rainwater band currently is Nolan Eastwood, a Brown County native, on the drums, Uh, Derek Day, also of Brown County, uh, on the bass, we have Rory Hondo Coyote Derryberry on the lead guitar. He's out of Bloomington. And Laura Warner of the Velours, and also Bloomington, oh, yeah. as a percussionist and a backing vocalist. So, do you have a
2: web page or a Facebook page or any of this kind of contact stuff? People can follow what's up with the Keenan Rainwater next whatever.
5: <laughs> right? I do. And since I'm working in different formats a lot, it's uh, necessary to stay in touch on. My personal Facebook page, because I have a Keenan Rainwater Facebook page. The Rain, Keenan Rainwater Band is the full name. And then I have my own Facebook page. But I sit in with different folks, Coot Crabtree, or sat in with Steve Plessinger last night. I just love playing with different folks. If you want to catch the full range of everything that I'm doing, it's more likely to be on my own personal Facebook page. Uh, the Keenan Rainwater Band carries all the information about the Keenan Rainwater Band, and sometimes throw little things about uh, our other projects from people within the band, uh, upcoming shows. And then there's also a website, uh, KenanRainwater.com, uh, which I try and stay on top of. Well, now you're going
2: to be part of the summer music series this year.
5: That's pretty exciting. I was uh, yeah. Now
2: August 20th that. is that when you're playing? Yeah.
5: August 20th, right oh. down uh, downtown Nashville in the uh, Shelter House, the Pavilion, there by Brozini's. Is yeah. that the, I believe that's exactly. The Jammin' Corner. The Jammin' Corner, and I think it's pretty exciting. You know, yeah. I think they're even going to let us amplify the thing. Yeah, 4:30 to six. Excellent. Yeah, there in the. Uh, what do we call that? Is that a shelter house? Gazebo. Uh, the gazebo. gazebo the pavilion, gazebo by Brazinis. I, I, yeah. I think yeah pavilion is probably pavilion. the more accurate term. It's a beautiful spot. Yeah. We've jammed in it on the Tuesday night jams a number of times and it's Yeah, they're day.
3: still doing that every
5: Tuesday? Every Tuesday night. As soon as it warms up. <laughs> well, they've been uh, down in muddy boots in the no. colder months, but it's uh it's it's an outdoor kind of thing, so I'm sure it'll move back outside no, it's shortly. A longstanding tradition. It is, and yeah. John and Jamie uh also known as the hammer and the hatchet, right. are carrying it on very nicely. They were just down at the Pixie Theater last weekend, and we were Indiana boys were there the weekend before that. And We get to play a lot of the same festivals and a lot of the same circuits and get to hang out quite a bit, so it's always nice. Good people.
2: Well, Keenan, thank you so much for coming in, man. It's, uh, it's really been uh, wonderful to follow your career over the years, and uh, you just keep reinventing yourself and trying new things, and I think that's what being a true musician is all about, man.
3: Yeah, well, thank you. It's, yeah, a, it's a ride for sure. Love having you, and enjoy watching your growth. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So far, so good. So <laughs> keep up the good work. Then
5: same. Uh, same is true of me with the Brown County Radio Hour. I love your new facility. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's right. You were back in our little cracker box.
7: Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah
2: We've really moved up. Yeah, you're doing great things.
7: Yeah, yeah Keep it up. Well, thank you. Well, you store your wedding gown. It was prettier and we are now we were gonna leave this town and its eyes and the city would be our home while we could be alone when do it. Free. Come all to wild with me We move so silently in our minds Hey, 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 four, five, six It's the sorrow that's making you sick But our back just ran out of tricks That's life. The city filled our hearts with tacos and walks in the park and street lights that doubled as stars in our skies. And we lived above. The darkness and love every night. Hey, hey, hey. one, two, three, come waltz a while with me. We move so silently in our minds. Hey, hey, hey. four, five, six. It's the sorrow that's making you sick But our bag just ran out of tricks Now that's life the gifts is to be free. And we'd go where we wanted to go. Stay out late or see any show. But then our money got low. And that's on me. But I think it was your honor. Taco Man, he pulled a gun, and in a flash the deed was done. We shot him and took all his funds that we ran. And the jury gave us both footed life. That's okay, I said, you'll do the same. long after they forget our That's sorrow that's making you sick but our bag just ran out of tricks now that's like
2: It's spring in Brown County and many things come to mind I've been busy in the garden and the early salad greens are already up it's been so warm the grass is beginning to grow and that means it's time to see if the lawnmower will run the water's still a little cold for fishing but soon enough the bluegills will be on the nest and we'll be catching them like crazy all of these things are wonderful especially after a long winter but one thing defines early spring in the woods and friends The time is now. I'm talking about hunting mushrooms. Here at the Brown County Hour, we've had the pleasure of interviewing one of the premier mushroom hunters in the Midwest, Bird Snyder. Bird has been hunting morels for about 40 years. As a result of all of this experience, he's amassed a huge data bank of where and when to go. In our interview, he told us that he usually finds more than 100 pounds of morels every year. I know there are a tiny handful of locals who can say the same, but for most of us, finding this many mushrooms is beyond our wildest dreams. Judging from how good some of my friends are at this, it would be easy to assume that finding mushrooms is a natural-born gift, akin to being able to sing or walk a tightrope. But there has to be some learned behavior in the process, so I set out to see if I could improve my technique. Years ago, I was working with a group of friends building houses here in the county. On one particularly beautiful spring morning, the boss gave us the go-ahead, and we took the next few hours off to go hunting for mushrooms. My friend Sean, who was on the crew, is a gifted hunter in his own right. He says that he never hunts for mushrooms. He harvests them. So I made sure to stick by his side as we made our way down Owl Creek. Right off the bat, I stepped on a large morel and had to suffer the ridicule I highly deserved for my friends. Sean was moving along in a dog trot, picking mushrooms left and right, as I meandered from one measly find to another. I was hoping some of his superior abilities would rub off on me, so I didn't give up and stayed with him the whole morning. While merely observing his hunting skills didn't exactly improve my own, I was inspired by his performance and increased my time in the woods in pursuit of the wily morel. On Possum Trot, we have some neighbors who've been hunting morels since the dawn of time. Tom and Aggie are generous to a fault and offered to tell me what they know about this subject. I received the usual bit of advice given to all would-be hunters. Look for dead elm trees. I protested by saying the elms all died in the 50s and surely they've rotted away by now Tom said that there's still a few out there and finding one will assure that you'll end up with some mushrooms in your sack as it comes to trees I've also heard that ash trees and old orchards attract them there's a lot of hocus-pocus when it comes to the folklore surrounding hunting mushrooms I remember being told that the best way to hunt is to walk uphill so that your eyes are closer to the ground following this advice will wear you out pretty quickly here in hill country but perhaps the most curious belief is having or acquiring a thing called mushroom eyes this is a state of consciousness in which the eyes of the hunter are magically tuned in to the vibration of the mushrooms once you're in this state finding them becomes almost automatic as i'm told the way to get there is to sit down after you find your first mushroom Meditate on the one in your hand and then start looking around for more. I really like this idea, but you still have to find the first one to make it work. When I began hunting on the trot, I found two pretty good spots. Every spring for several years, I would find a small mess of mushrooms at these locations. While I didn't find enough to deserve bragging rights, we would at least get a meal or two from the effort. Progress is often the destroyer of the natural world, and that's what happened. First, one neighbor built his house on top of the best patch, then a second one did the same. This development caused me to search for a new place to hunt. Honestly, it got so bad, I thought about giving up on hunting mushrooms altogether. However, I developed a new attitude, and I returned to the woods with fresh enthusiasm. What I've come to realize is the simple truth that I enjoy being out in the woods, and I like to hike. I do this when it's not mushroom season, so why put so much pressure on finding them? I figure if I spend enough time looking, eventually I'll stumble on a truly sincere morel patch that will conjure forth the great mushroom who will then give me the gift of mushroom eyes. Or not. But either way, I'm in the woods and that's good enough for me. This is Dave Seestrum, see you next time.
4: Now we pause for station identification.
2: Support for WFHB and the Brown County Hour is brought to you by Plum Creek Antiques, located at the intersection of 135 and 45 in downtown Bean Blossom, where visitors can buy, sell, or trade most anything. More information is available by calling 812-988-6268. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at
3: wfhb.org. In this segment, we'll bring you a conversation with Amanda Webb and Ann Hawke about their project, Musica Terra. Vera Grubbs shares an interview with stone sculptor Sidney Bolum. And we have more music from Keenan Rainwater.
2: It is my pleasure to introduce Amanda Webb and Annie Hawk, who have a special Arts in the Park project that they're calling Musica Terra. Hi, ladies. Thanks for coming in.
0: Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us.
2: Please tell us about this event. This is uh, at uh, May 19th at Brown County State Park.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll be in the uh, Nature Center Amphitheater for the concerts, and I believe that before
1: For the concerts, there's a nature hike. There's a guided nature hike, but one of the naturalists is going to uh, take people out who want to go at 10. It's an hour-long hike, 10 to 11. And then there's a period. People can bring their lunches, like, you know, pack a lunch. And then the concert starts at noon. And it, it runs from noon to 145 there's an intermission.
2: Now this is these these are classical music selections in which Amanda you will be performing vocally and And we're uh, also
0: doing some pop. It's quite a long concert actually. Okay. It's almost 2 hours long and the first half is all classical music and the second half is mm, like a mixture of um, pop and musical theater and old 60s tunes I <laughs> we just got to do whatever
2: well, they, came they, to mind they weren't old back in the 60s oh right but yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> so you're working with pianist john urban how did this come about how did how did this happen
1: it's a great story <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you want to tell it or shall I? Well, maybe we can both add our parts. I was at a concert that Amanda was doing at uh, Chateau Thomas, and I just—we were actually both waiting for the bathroom, I think, <laughs> <And then laughs> to get in. We started talking, and I really liked her singing. And we didn't talk for maybe. A month, even, or you know, a while. But then, actually, Ruth Reichman, I don't know if you know who she is, yes. she sent me an email about this opportunity. And then I looked into it. And then I talked to John, and I knew he would might be interested. And then I read the fine print, and it said you had to be a resident of the state of Indiana for a y- at least a year.
2: So you suspected that Amanda might be a Hoosier then? <laughs> might be-
0: Sure. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of obvious I was from Brown County. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she writes me on Facebook and suggests this cockamamie idea. <laughs> Why don't well, well, we get together? <laughs> now this is
2: uh, this is uh, part of the bicentennial celebration for the state of Indiana. Is that correct? Yes. So these are art grants that are given out to performers and visual artists and dancers, yeah. I assume? And, or,
1: yeah, and painters what? and clay. There's some weavers. It's all kinds of arts and crafts. Oh,
0: throughout the whole entire year, right, Annie? Yeah. It's not just one date. We yeah. have two separate dates, and there are there are a lot of different arts projects going on throughout the year.
2: Well, well, tell us about the May 19th event. This is primarily for homeschool kids?
0: This one's primarily geared toward homeschool kids. The one we have in the fall is primarily geared toward the Brown County High School kids.
2: Right. Kids in um, musical programs, is that correct?
0: Uh, Specifically, the high school kids that are in choir or band. Yeah. With homeschool kids, it's a little broader because a lot of homeschool kids study musical instruments, or it could just be interesting for their families to participate so we're opening it up not really sure what the reception is going to be on that end it's an experiment
2: but it's also open to the public
1: oh yeah and we would love for the public to join us and the other thing is if you go to the park gate if you say that you're going to the concert you don't have to pay the the entrance fee to get in the park
2: oh that's good to know what kind of music specifically name a few of the composers you'll be doing
0: it's a great concert because the theme is nature-oriented so we could choose from such a wide range of classical music we weren't limited to one composer so we have at least 10 different composers we're doing um, some English tunes Benjamin Britten is one of the composers let me see who else Schubert Schumann then yeah we've got German represented with some Schubert some Schumann we've got French Debussy. and um, oh Italian some Leon Cavaglio. and Alvon Williams is another it's wonderful beautiful I really enjoyed doing the classical music it's a it's complete. Um, 180 degrees from what I'm, I typically do with my band. Our band is a blues band. Right. And When I, I'm coming around and turning around and doing the classical repertoire, I'm actually coming back and taking some coachings because it has been a while since I've done this and I want to make sure I, I represent properly.
2: Well, so. I, I remember when we had you in the studio last time, you mentioned that you were actually trained in college to yeah. sing classically.
0: Yep, that was where I started in classical music, went to IU and John's, obviously a master's student there now so we kind of have that in common but I I very much like being able to come back now and and do the classical repertoire again in this concert. Um, John's a fantastically easy pianist to work with. He is extremely skilled and very technically proficient and wonderful, wonderful musician. So, And he really enjoys all of the repertoire as well. So working with him is, is wonderful. He makes it very easy. Singing all, of this, um, all these pieces, again, some of them are new to me and some of them are familiar from my years before. Although you are going to play some... We've got the juxtaposition here on (laughs) the other side of the concert because it's not just a classical concert of um, nature-inspired tunes. We also thought, well... it's a great opportunity to to mix it up and, and to give it both. So the end of the concert is going to be um, mm. some John Denver and Joni Mitchell, um, the Yellow Taxi, mm. uh, and we're doing... Because it's the pop end of the concert, we haven't exactly finalized that portion of it because it's the easier part. We could pretty much decide at the last minute, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that one.
2: Well, it sounds like it's going to be an excellent time. It's
0: going to be really beautiful. Beautiful music and some familiar stuff that everyone will enjoy and a wonderful opportunity to really enjoy the music and the nature at the same time because if you've never been to the Nature Center Amphitheater, it's amazing. And I'm really excited to do a concert on that yeah, stage overlooking that view is Absolutely phenomenal. beautiful
2: vista. Do you guys have a website or a Facebook page? How can we get a hold of you and get, learn more about this event?
0: Well, we're posting bits and pieces and hopefully some educational materials as well on our Facebook page, which is Musica Terra.
1: And Terra is spelled T E
0: R R A. Music with an A, Musica and terra, terra. Latin for earth music.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing this. I'm sure this is going to be uh, a very exciting event for all the kids that get to go.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
4: This is Vera Grubbs with the Brown County Hour. I'm sitting outside of Sydney Bolum's studio. It's a lovely day. With looking at rain clouds but i hope they will hold off hello sydney how are you i'm doing well thank you i'm so glad to be here i'm glad to have you here (laughs) first of all i'm intrigued by the name of your studio (laughs) bohemian hobbit studio how did this come about
8: well you know i've always been kind of influenced by um different literature and hobbits have always kind of captivated me because of their sort of humble way of being close to the earth while not being real aware of it. They just kind of garden and farm and eat and enjoy themselves and that kind of reminds me of me. But I'm also not the most conventional person so, you know, I live a more maybe artistic lifestyle and so I kind of thought maybe a more Bohemian Hobbit would be good. And people either love the name or they hate the name and I get all sorts of comments. I've had people say that they like the page just because they're hoping for Tolkien related stuff and then it doesn't really happen and they're disappointed Or, but you know. I like
4: it, so I keep it. (laughs) (laughs) And then you referred your homestead here in Brown County as part of the Shire. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a term, Shire, a British term?
8: Well, yeah, but Tolkien was a British author, so, you know, I think he was kind of naming it something more familiar as a way to start the adventure off, something that he was familiar with. Sort of like little farmlands and little forests and creeks and pigs and chickens and beer, you know, very Brown (laughs) County.
4: (laughs) Your education was in the arts, but what about carving, stone carving in particular, interested you to make it your special?
8: I had a generalized art major. Um, I only did go to school for undergrad and I was a double major in fine art and anthropology with a minor in art history and I also sort of studied Native American studies. You know, I was mostly a painter at the time, although I did dabble with illustrating and photography, but then none of it was really my specialty as much as generalized art. So then once I had kids and I was gonna try and reemerge into the artist scene somehow, I needed to find something new because I tried painting with my kids and it was really impractical and impossible even. I mean, I wasn't enjoying painting and they weren't enjoying having me as a mom being a painter. (laughs) You know, I started looking into rock carving, which is, this is the perfect place to do it because we have Indiana limestone, which is some of the best stone in the world for carving.
4: And you told me Jim Connors had an influence on you.
8: Yeah, when I was thinking about it, it was right after I'd had my daughter. And um, I was kind of having a bit of a hard time with it and, you know, trying to figure out who I was as a person and an artist. And I contacted Jim, who is a multimedia artist. He does stone carving and metal work. And I was just curious, where do you go? You know, how do you begin? And we have the symposium, but that's very intimidating for somebody who doesn't know the first thing about rock carving, even though they do have beginner classes. And he said, well, why don't you come try my tools? And, you know, you'll either love it or you'll hate it, but at least you'll know.
4: And that's the start of that. (laughs) This is a very long question. What prompted you to choose Brown County for your forever home?
8: Oh, well, that deserves a long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my ancestors were from Germany, but they've lived in Pennsylvania for a couple hundred years. And so they bought land from William Penn and their coal miners and very, you know, the tip of Appalachia is right there. And so I sort of feel like when my family moved to Northern Indiana, there was a sense of loss, even though I had never lived in that part of Pennsylvania. And so, you know, living in very flat farmland with lots of development and not a lot of nature, I never felt quite right there. We would sometimes come down here and I went to school at IU. I don't know if it's just because I love nature, the arts is part of my life, or if it's something deeper, sort of like some ancestral memory where I wanna be around trees and hills and hunt mushrooms and get muddy and collect rocks. You know, I don't want to go to the mall. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not me. Once I settled here, you know, the longer I've been here, the more I've liked it, and wake up one day, we've been here nine years, so. (laughs) Really? Yeah, still.
4: What visions or dreams do you have for your art in the future, and particularly as it relates to that?
8: I'd like to learn more about technique and about tools. Jim was a real innovator. He taught me, basically, about how to be innovative and problem-solve, which is you can know everything in the world about tools and materials If you don't have that, you might struggle. Although that's valuable. I'd like to learn about expensive rock carving tools, even if I never buy them, (laughs) and get some more training. And you call your art carving. How is that different from sculpting? I mean, I guess it's sort of the same. Carving is attractive art. You're making a relief sculpture, but I mean, you can carve in the round, too. It is sculpting, but I think carving sounds a little more rustic. <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> we talked earlier about your studio, and could you describe it
8: for us? Well, I mean, it's sort of a combination of a deck with a roof, more of a pagoda, I guess. I don't know, a pergola. <laughs> I don't know the difference. <laughs> it has to be outdoors. Stone carving, you do see videos of people who have big, expensive ventilation systems, and but mine is an outdoor studio, and I work out here year-round. It's right off the corner of my house, and it's got a good view of the yard, got a pond. It draws in all kinds of wildlife, all kinds of birds. And you can be found on Facebook. Yeah, that is actually probably where I keep more up-to-date. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not the most complex-savvy person. Thank you very much. This has been Vera Grubbs for the Brown County Hour.
3: Here's the Keenan Rainwater Band, live at the Bluebird, performing his songs, Hey Now Now, and Rock It to the Sun.
4: path for station identification.
2: Support for WFHB in the Brown County Hour is brought to you by Plum Creek Antiques, located at the intersection of 135 and 45 in downtown Bean Blossom, where visitors can buy, sell, or trade most anything. More information is available by calling 812-988-6268. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org.
3: In our final segment, we'll begin with a conversation with John Whitcomb. Rick Fettig shares his poem, Leaves of Grass, and we'll close with another tune from Ken Rainwater. This is Rick Fettig with the Brown County Hour, and I am here with John Whitcomb, who is the son of Edgar D. Whitcomb. So you have four sisters. I do. I'd like to take a moment to talk about your mom. Yeah. Because she's still kicking. Yeah kicking you out no
6: (laughs) well yeah
3: you know how they say behind every great man is a great woman so you want to give her a howdy and yeah tell us how she might have influenced your dad and his career
6: i've always said that she is half the reason he got elected i mean she was one just beautiful beyond belief and two gracious you know uh, to everyone she met that wasn't just because her husband was running for office she was nice to everybody. It didn't matter if it was the clerk at the grocery store or if it was the cleaning lady or, or whoever. Both both my mom and dad came from very poor, very humble backgrounds. And so they knew what it was like to, to be that way. And so they treated everybody with respect. She relished this chance to represent the state of Indiana and did so in, in a great way, a very elegant and generous way. She gave of herself a lot. Just, as a matter of fact, today there was a former first lady's luncheon it's, it's third year for it. It's actually a fundraising event. And although my mom wasn't feeling like attending, my sister Shelley and I attended on her behalf.
3: Yeah, and she's still alive in Seymour. Mm-hmm. And
6: I think I said we grew up in Seymour, but
3: you live mm-hmm. here in Nashville. You play music, and you're mm-hmm. the Village Painter.
6: Sure, Village Painter Facebook.
3: Well, I remember I was at your house in Seymour one time. And at the bottom of the stairway, there was a picture of your house. One of the girls told me that somebody was in France, if I remember right, and found that picture and brought it back home to your, you and your
6: family. Well, it could be. It could be. Well, that house was built by John Grubb of the grocery store magnet and built in 1901. And man, was it a place when it was built, I'm telling you. But it had set it empty for... Oh, gosh, two or three years and needed some work to. And then my dad, being a young attorney in Seymour, realtor kept saying, Ed, Ed, called him Eddie. Eddie, (laughs) Eddie, buy this house from me. And my dad's like, I can't afford that thing. And he, he, you know, kept kept on him. Finally, after a few weeks, Eddie, Eddie, come on, come on, make me, throw me a price. My dad shot him this ridiculous offer and he took it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so here we go. A lot of grass to mow. Hand up, a lot of shovels just clean in the winter hand sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, the only boy getting to do all yeah. the, the maintenance. So.
3: Well, that's what I was going to ask you. It was um, my mom grew up with seven brothers? Oh boy! So what was it like to have four sisters?
6: It was it was interesting. It was did they education. beat you up or did they baby you? <laughs> it was, it, it, well, I'm not going to not going to incriminate myself. <laughs> And I'm going to plead to fifth on this one now. They were great. If anything, it, uh, I don't know. I think I have a, a privileged view of women uh-huh. uh, more so than most men do. So it was good. It's yeah. a good survival <laughs> <laughs> a tool, Good survival skill to have.
3: Well, I have an autographed book, Escape from Corregidor, that your dad signed for my parents. Hmm. And Seymour and Jackson County, you know, I may be distorted, but it just seemed like a hub of political activity throughout the state. It seemed that way. Well, like Bobby Kennedy came through Little, little Seymour. I remember when he, that. Was, when he was running for president.
6: Yeah. It's one of my earliest memories. You know, they say when you're really little. I was like three. I, I remember. I well.
3: remember the '60s real well. My my mom actually got to ride in the car with him. Oh, that's cool. when he was in the parade. That's so very cool. I'm really proud of that. And then uh, Lee Hamilton. He's not really from Seymour, but he was a ninth district right. congressman, and
6: Barron Hills from there. Sure. Oh yeah. I don't Know if there's anybody else in particular? Um, Bill Bailey ended up, and I don't remember if he was in Congress or, or Senate, but he rented the Crestview House too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, was a sw- it was a swing and door for a while after Mellencamp's moved out the,
3: yeah the Crestview house yes. if I can reiterate yes. we, we talked earlier it was uh, John and his family it was their summer home and John Mellencamp rented that yeah. when he first got any money at all in the music business it yeah. was there for at least a year or so mm-hmm. but that was one of those communities that had the community pool
6: yes oh yes
3: so everybody went and swam in the pool if you owned property in there yeah uh but speaking of water, Dave mentioned your dad on the boat ride, and we talked a little bit about that. But mm-hmm. he sailed across the Pacific on a 30-foot sailboat. Yeah. And you were with him for a little bit. Now, we've kind of talked about that, but if you want to tell a little bit
6: more sure. about that, it might be interesting. I was living in Nashville, Tennessee at the time and had been working with a band down there for a couple of years. And um, I got a phone call one day, and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just doing my thing. And he says, you want to go sailing? And I said, When? He says, "Now, come on down." <laughs> I said, "I'll give the band a two-week notice." So I met him down in Curacao, down off the coast of Venezuela, and we prepped the boat and waited on a new life raft to get there because his old one was bad, without even him knowing it. Crossing the Atlantic, so <laughs> we, we, we wanted a working life raft. We were so we were in Curacao about six weeks, and uh, then we took off for Panama, and uh, it was an experience unlike any I had ever been through before there were parts of it there were still very fond memories especially at night because there, there's always a storm on the ocean all you have hindering your view is the curvature of the earth these wonderful lightning storms with the lightning shooting above and below the clouds and, and the phosphorus wake that glowed in the dark the flying fish that would be on the decks and the more you'd hear them hitting the boat at night and because we only ran when you're in the open ocean like that you just conserve electricity you only run the only light you have on is your compass light but that was enough you know when there was no other light that really mm. stood out and so these flying fish attracted to this light they'd whack you sometimes it was a little unnerving at first but
3: yeah. well you mentioned you were out there for 12 days mm-hmm. and two and a half days away you could
6: start to see the land you could start to see the land i was like thank god land you know and uh, <laughs> It was another two and a half days before he was able to kiss the sand. I wonder how far away some of those storms were, if you could see them. I don't know. I don't know. But there were were two or three pretty rough nights, but nothing like he'd been through. I mean, he had a broken mast twice and... Lost all electricity at one time. When when your electricity goes out, you can put out what's called an EPIRB. It's an international distress call. And that alerts the closest uh, freighter or commercial boat that might be near you. And so off the coast of Costa Rica, um, he had that happen. Got in a tremendous storm. Knocked out everything uh, he had, electrical and um uh, so he alerted this international Eperb, and uh, believe it or not, it was just about four hours later, a Swedish freighter uh, was uh, wow. in, the, in the horizon, and his electrician came in, brought him new batteries, and spent about two hours down there cutting and wiring. and Couldn't get much more fortunate than that, could no. you? No. But Dad was close enough to Costa Rica. He just went back. Oh, he just went back and kind of regrouped, kind of licked his wounds a little bit, and then took off again, made a second trip out. And then I
3: think you said you went through the Panama Canal. Went through
6: the Panama and that Canal boat. Yeah, very interesting. You hear about it, and you can see pictures of it, but till you get there and see it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, really, really is a phenomenal feat of engineering.
3: Well, you were telling about how they tied all the little boats together.
6: Yeah, and if you pulled them. Are through. sailboats? It's a group of sailboats go through, and not a commercial boat. They, they, they lash the boats together. And then have line handlers that you throw a, they call it a monkey's claw on the end of the rope and throw it up to the, the workers on the side of the uh, locks. And man, when that water comes in, it's just, man, I don't know, you know, how many gallons, thousands of gallons it was a minute, but you're on your way up pretty fast. Then I think it was three locks coming out of Atlantic and two locks going into the Pacific. So dad sailed around the world? He did. He technically did make it because when he bought his boat in Greece, he practiced in the in the Mediterranean and then down through the rest. Sea and made it all the way down through the Red Sea. So when he came back around, he'd made it past the point where he had sailed when he lost his boat. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. No, it had to be.
3: Somebody said after the boat crashed, he just walked away and never looked back.
6: Yeah. Said he had film left in his camera and he said he could have taken a picture of it. But he thought, I just, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it.
3: Well, back to your dad. I guess he put the state in the black, and yeah. uh, I've never heard a bad thing about him. So uh, we appreciate what he's done, and your mom and your family, what they've all contributed to the to the state, and uh, we're thankful for you being here and what you contribute to the community. Well, so
6: I appreciate it. I love this community. It's, uh, it's a wonderful place, and wasn't really looking to move here, but one day this very beautiful young lady uh, walked in, and I've been here ever since. I'll have to
3: agree with <laughs> I'll agree with that. All right. Well, thanks, John. We'll have hey. to have you back sometime.
6: Hey, I'd love to. I appreciate you having me very much. Thanks.
3: of grass fields and streams what does it all mean flowers in bloom there's plenty of room to be part of the scene fresh clean air clear blue skies nothing could ever hide from the man who hunts precious treasures along the countryside the treasure starts within your heart then the eye perceives exactly what you wanted to find blowing in the breeze the wind is blowing everywhere. What does it all mean? Nothing but leaves of grass and the fields and streams. Here's the Keenan Rainwater band live at the Bluebird, performing his song "Oh My My."
7: Happy place where the lovers go. Me and you and a cooler beer. It didn't matter if the picture was clear. They'd show movies till 3 a.m., but neither one of us was watching them. do and do
2: Thanks for tuning in to episode 50 of the Brown County Hour, recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville, and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m.
4: The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of people who believe the world is for everybody.
2: This show was produced by Jeff Foster
4: Pam Rader
2: Rick Fettig
4: Vera Grubbs Carrie Ray
2: and Dave Seastrom We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. listening to the Brown County
3: Hour.
0: Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana.
3: Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community.
0: Visit
4: us online at browncountyhour.com.
3: The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB.
4: Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana.
7: Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.